0: Welcome to Hairblazers, the podcast where we empower you to disrupt the beauty industry, starting with your chair and your salon. You can focus on running your business and tune in here to find out how to keep it moving forward. How to build your new talent training program. Choose a structure that you can use for every new talent, whether that's one-on-one, group training or outsourcing. Make sure it's consistent. Make a list of the most important skills that you want new talent to be able to perform. It may be the entire guest experience, the shampoo, the stress-relieving scalp massage and ritual, and blow-drying. Choose someone to be your training lead that stays on top of the training when it needs to be changed, making tweaks, and making sure that it's being taught consistently. I'm your host, Colleen Lamorand, the Director of Education and Business Development for the Verde Salon Group here in Winnipeg. Today, we have a very, very special guest with us, DJ Muldoon, creator of Knowledge Destroys Fear. Yeah. It's said perfectly. When you understand things, it's less scary in the world of hair. You've worked with Sassoon. You've created like a ton of different curriculums. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Like, why don't we say, <laughs> where did knowledge destroy fear, the idea behind it start, and maybe tell us how you got into the industry. I know you're a second uh, generation haircutter as well.
1: Yes, I am. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's nice to see you again. Lovely to be here in Winnipeg. My parents were in the hair industry. My dad's a hairdresser, and my mother took care of the finances for the business. So I was born into it. And so, you know, reap the benefits of the success of my parents in the industry. So I'm really used to it. You know, I was born in England originally. Can't tell. Yeah, can't (laughs) tell. And then I moved to the US when I was 16 and did a couple of years of high school. And in those few years, I realized, oh, I don't want to continue to do this. I don't want to be in a classroom learning these things. It wasn't doing anything for me so i decided that i wanted to pursue hair so you know the obvious choice from someone that knows what they're doing like my dad was to send me to the best and that was vidal Sassoon. absolutely so i went to santa monica as a 18 year old straight out of high school and went to the academy as a cosmetology student so that's at the time it was 1600 hours and i eventually became an assistant after i graduated and I assisted at the academy, which was very rare. You, they usually did one person per cycle. So wow. however long it took you to qualify to be a teacher, they only had that one person. Wow. So I was really lucky, got to do that. Um, and that took me about 18 months, I think, mm-hmm. to, to qualify. And then I went to work for Sassoon in San Francisco as a stylist, get some experience and then went back to the academy and then I never looked back. I found a knack for being able to break hair cutting down. And that's kind of where the whole like knowledge destroys fear okay. thing started for me personally. I need to be in, in an environment where I'm growing. And I think I'd met my limit at Fidel. So I went to work with Paul Mitchell which was a completely different ball game. It was. Pr- you know, a product company and platform artists kind of stuff. So I was traveling, doing platform work, not just teaching in the classroom anymore. That's where I also saw the need for, you know, a common language or a common knowledge. Absolutely. And that's what I used to call my class back then was common knowledge. And then it started to evolve because I started to hear what people were saying and about the reactions to the class. And, you know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, they were, pretty fearful before they took a class with me about haircutting. And then after about five minutes, they were brimming in confidence. So, so you that, probably
0: knew this This is the thing that I need to be focused yeah, on. Yeah, I need yeah. to
1: stick with this. And, you know, there was a reason by why I became a teacher, you know, uh, why that I was attracted to that and not to necessarily standing behind the chair and working on a clientele. So after a while at Paul Mitchell, I, d- I was asked to develop their curriculum. So I, I, I did that. And it was based on on curriculum that we'd written at Vidal Sassoon, which if you look at everything now, it's based on curriculum from Vidal Sassoon. Absolutely. Um, So that's where it really started was the, the, the years of constantly teaching at Sassoon and then taking it into a different environment in Paul Mitchell. And then eventually, after a while with Paul Mitchell, I decided I wanted to do my own thing independently. And what would the name be? Knowledge Destroys Fear. So that's how it came about.
0: That's cool. I actually never never kind of knew that story. Yeah. Who were some of your like biggest mentors throughout your career and how they shaped you?
1: That's a really good question. Um, when I started, I'd been raised by my parents. So my dad was the inspiration behind most of it. He had an, an extremely successful career in the UK. And I, I was exposed to different things. He owned a three schools um, as well as a bunch of salons and I'd been exposed to that environment. Um, eventually, when I went to Vidal Sassoon, um, that academy and that environment was just brimming with like the best educators that did cutting or color, hands down, globally. And that really like was so impressive to me that I realized I want to stay mm-hmm. here because of people at the time One of my cosmetology teachers was Julian Perlinguero. And, you know, he kind of molded how I was going to be. He was very hard on me. Yeah, we were at the Union Station downtown Los Angeles and um, it's all like supermodels of the time and the famous actor boyfriends and all that. And so I'm like, what's going on here? (laughs) And, you know, they've got the old Airstream trailers I go to the one trailer where I'm supposed to be and then I open the door and there's Vidal having his hair cut by the manager of the Beverly Hills salon, Etienne at the time. And I was just like, oh my God, I was more starstruck by him than like the supermodel blonde that was around the corner. Like I don't care about her. It was Vidal. And I'd grown up like hearing all the stories about him. I knew who he was as, And such a famous kind of hairdresser, because you know, in the UK, famous hairdressers are like celebrities. Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, you start learning more about him when you're in his school. And it was just like, whoa. And then he's like, How you doing? I'm I'm Vidal. And you know, he's really, really nice and open. And he realized I got an English accent. So
0: loved you automatically. Straight
1: (laughs) in, you know. And so then we talked about football, soccer, and we found out that we didn't support the same teams. Oh. And so, you know, you start doing the old banter back and forth about things and joking and stuff. And and that was cool. And then eventually I, I got to talk to him because the cool thing about this is when my dad was in the UK early days, his mentor and trainer was actually Vidal's best mate. Mm. But he died in the 60s. So no one really talks about this guy anymore. And I mentioned this guy's name and Vidal went white pale like a ghost. So I mentioned this and then I, I, I'm i in even more now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, what do I do next? What yeah, do I say like, what do I say? Don't ruin it. <laughs> nah. So then, you know, that was the relationship kind of sparked off with him straight away in that manner. And then, you know, a while later, he'd come into the academy every now and again. They'd bring him in and he'd sign books for everybody and it was just good for morale and that. And he would stop by and, hey, how's it going, as a student. And everybody else was like, and
0: looking like, around like, here? No And I'm out. like, you know,
1: it's just, you know, me and Vidal. <laughs> and uh, then I became an assistant. And then, you know, I'd see him at the Beverly Hills Salon because I assisted one day a week at Beverly Hills. And then I'd see him, you know, um, at events, events. Um, You know, I'd be assisting and he'd be there and, you know, how's it going? And then eventually I became a teacher and he'd visit. And then at at the academy at the time, it had these little square windows in the door. And so you'd be teaching away and all of a sudden you could see like people's face looking through. And, you know, mates would come around and they'd be like, "Mm, (laughs) all of a sudden it's Vidal. I'm like, oh, you know, Wow. And he would come in and say hi and have pictures with the students in my class. And of course I'd teach advanced classes. So everybody's just like, you know, like what? You know, he's here. Um, so he became a mentor. He'd look out, he'd look out for me as, a, as an assistant and as a young teacher. Um, so I was very grateful and very lucky yes. to have a bit of a relationship and mentorship from Vidal. And even when I left Vidal so soon, I'd see him at events around the world. And we'd always talk about football, and, and that,
0: that first moment you met—that's
1: <laughs> it. It just clicked, right? Yeah. So he was a huge mentor. I've had lots of different mentors and 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 people that have influenced me along my career. The list is really long. You name it; they've mm-hmm. been a mentor at some point. You know, uh, I really love the history of our industry, and I think I was when I started, I was at the right time and the right place where you got the history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and you got the technology to take the education further. You know, so I was in that era.
0: Well, that that kind of brings us to our next Sweet. topic. Which is, um, yeah, being that era is an unbelievable opportunity. You also kind of took what you knew and went out on your own. And so talking to kind of salon owners now, especially in the U.S., there's a lot of deregulation. And a lot of times salon owners bring on new talent right out of hair school. Who knows what they know, where they went. So what would you recommend is something that they focus on to help build up their new talent, their new stylists, you know, right off the bat?
1: the key thing here is education Mm -hmm. it really is so you have to start with that word and then branch out to what you want that to be nowadays we are we need instant gratification so the training program nowadays has to be quicker than what it Mm -hmm. used to be has to be quicker than what i went through it's a different era people just lose interest quicker they're stimulated in different ways that I wasn't in, you know, and you weren't your generation. So the program has to be a training program has to be made and it has to be relatively quick and it has to be fun. Yes. It, you know, and I don't mean like bells and whistles and cause was, and all that <laughs> stuff. I just mean, it has to be stuff that people want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? I always relate it. Like when I was a youngster, um, my parents bought me a keyboard, like an organ.
0: Oh yeah, I think we all had one of those. And we
1: all went to take classes, right? Me and my mum and dad. I'm an only child, right? So it's just us. And there's all these other people in the class, and everyone's on these like two level organs with, <laughs> with the pedals, you know. And there's a guy at the front just playing songs and going, "Okay, play along." Da, 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 da. And it's songs I'd never heard of in my life. But you play it. You tell my grandparents, and they're like, "Know every word." Of course. My parents knew it. Yep. So generational, I didn't know that. So I just, just in the class going,
0: mm.
1: not into Don't worry it. Me. <laughs> yeah, but downstairs there was a shop that sold the keyboards, and there was a guy in there, long hair. He was obviously not really a, into like synthesized music. He was into metal, but he was a genius keyboard player. Anyway, eventually he became my teacher, and he came to our house, which was really cool. So now I'm in my own environment. And the first thing he said is like, what's your favorite song right now? And I was like, whatever it was, can't remember. So it's like 86 this, so some some <laughs> 80s tune, right? Probably like some Top Top Gun song. And he the next week he came back with sheet music for that song. And guess what? Within like three days, I'm like, playing it because yes. I liked it. Yes. And I've always had that mindset that if I'm going to teach somebody, I've got to do something that they're into. So I find now that A training program has to be haircuts that we do now in the salon. Yep. Whatever name it is now. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Call it that. Yes. Get people into it immediately. Then, you know, I've always found that the class is pretty successful if you're you're cutting current stuff.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And one thing we were kind of like beating into people's heads before was for example shape and we were talking about the round shape and the triangle shape, square. And it made sense to me. And it made sense to, you know, our generation. And I'm like, people just aren't yes. And some people just aren't getting it. So and you said, Well, I don't even really say that that much anymore. That's true. And I thought, Oh, I don't have to say that anymore.
1: No. It's you you have to kind of find analogies and relate it to other things. I, I've found that that has always been a strong point in a cl- with a class with me. Mm-hmm. People take that away. Uh, we, can, we can name it what it is. Like we can say convex and concave and triangular and square and round and all these things and inverted and whatever it is, reverse this, yes. all that. But realistically, it all boils down to it's a distribution of weight. Yes. So what is weight? Weight is something that's bigger or smaller. And, and where that, do you want it? What do you want to do? Do you want to be bigger or smaller? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do we need to fill places in? So I, I use terminology that people can relate to. That helps, again, generational.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Um, and it helps them to learn better. I, I think what really helped me, because i was a, always been a really good teacher. I'm not afraid to say that now. I'm I'm you, almost 50. You earned 50. it. You earned it. Um, it was when I became a parent. And you're, you're like literally working with this child. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And you're trying to teach your child. And they need it in the most simple, basic terminologies. And that clicked for me. It's like, okay, so I've been cutting hair like I've been building Lego. Millions yes. of pieces, right? Well, why don't I use Duplo? Ah. You know, for those of you who don't know what Duplo oh, is. Oh, I know what Duplo is. Yeah, it's the bigger blocks, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes. I'm going to build the same thing with less parts, you know? So just stuff like that, you know, it resonates with with people and it sticks with them instead of me saying all these fancy technical Mm -hmm. words that let's face it, we didn't like when we were in real school. School school, before we went to high
0: school, you know? Well, and and I think you really build confidence. As soon as you, like, understand, you have a light bulb moment. And after your classes, that's when we have, like, our team, the words I hear, like, light bulb moment or, like, the emoji of, like, the brain exploding. Like, and those are things I love to see because I know that's going to stick. And they're not just saying, yeah, I get it, even though you know deep down they're not understanding. That's been really cool to have on our team. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as far as new talent goes, like – you have the factory. Do you like to bring on new talent stylists?
1: Um, for the longest time, what what I've been doing is I've been establishing my independent brand. And I'm a teacher that travels and teaches in schools and so on yes. and, and such. And at home, the salon, we really just wanted to have a home base for me to come to to teach. And then I wanted to open it up to... A bunch of people that want to work with me, mm-hmm. that want to kind of do stuff like me. So a lot of the people that work there were already haircutters or right. colorists. So it's not like we've brought in a ton of people and trained them from scratch. Now, as I evolve as a salon owner, I'm moving into a different phase now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting older and my parents are getting older. So they're not going to be running the salon. I'm going to have to do that. So I'm already like preparing for that. And I feel that, you know, the next step for for, for the factory is to work with new talent and to now to really work on that Mm -hmm. aspect of it. I'm pretty established as an educator. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate and lucky that I'm pretty busy all the time. And so I can now focus on building the salon business. And so it's quite exciting actually to, figure out how I'm going to facilitate that training program and what that training program is mm. going to be and how different it will be to what I went through.
0: Yes. You know? Yes, because it has to change. Depending it, on- it
1: has to evolve and it, it has to be a hybrid, quicker version. Like I use the analogy in, in the classes, we can we can take GPS and we can find a way home that's the longest way home and we can find a way home that's the quickest mm. way home. Um, So it's kind of like that, you know.
0: Yeah, I love that. And what would you say are um, like the biggest benefits for salon owners bringing on new talent?
1: Well, obviously it's going to increase revenue. I mean, that's the biggest thing for a salon owner. You're kind of in it for that particular reason. It's a financial thing. And it's obviously a team and a base. And, you know, if if you grow that with new talent, then it's just going to increase everything. Um, new talent also keeps old talent on their toes which is a good thing
0: it's it's so true yeah and that's i mean that's our culture now is bringing on new talent and growing them and yeah. keeping you know the culture yeah. of the entire salon and they keep our senior talent in yeah. check right yeah they have to keep doing education now. bring Otherwise- in the
1: fresh sponges yeah because yeah. yeah. the ones some of the old ones are just full of water the you old know, sponges yeah just they just need ringing wring out, out of it and, and <laughs> new talent out. will do that
0: that's yeah. yeah, true love that yeah. um tell me like i don't know i want to know you have so much experience with so many different mentors and and this industry's been huge tell me some of your like coolest moments or like defining moments that you've had if you can think of it
1: um defining moment war for me as a teacher and yeah. still to this day is probably the best thing that's happened for me is i became teacher of the year at also soon in my first year of teaching
0: wow that's unbelievable so that was like How old were you?
1: 20, 21. So you knew like, this is for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was 21, 21, 98. Yeah, 21, 22. And um, that was a huge moment for me. And that's what propelled me, like seeing the potential of, oh, wait a minute. I just was having fun and enjoying Mm -hmm. teaching. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I was ever really like systematically working on it.
0: Well, and people can feel that. They can yeah. sense it when you love, like when you really love it, what you it's, do. It's
1: natural. You can feel it. And it, you know, there's no difference from that year to now, like yesterday teaching in the salon. I still have the same enthusiasm. Yes. I still turn into this, like this enthusiastic yes. kid that I used to be. I'm still like that all the time when I'm teaching. A um, couple of moments, surreal moments, um, flying on a private jet with John Paul Joria. And as soon as it took off the foot off the ground, he whipped off his seatbelt, went in the back and made bagels for us. <laughs> what? It's crazy. What
0: kind of bagels were they?
1: Just, you know, I'm, I'm a plain bagel kind of guy. Oh, plain? Yeah, yeah.
0: Double toasted, single toasted? Double toasted. Me too! Yeah, I
1: need to see it toasted. Me too, yeah. otherwise it's
0: just warm bread. Yeah. I don't like
1: that. That was a surreal moment. I mean, I've, I've also performed in front of like almost 20,000 people before. Wow. Where was that? Uh, that was in Rome. It's kind of venue where like Elton John played the week before. So we had the same amount of people. And the stage was massive. Yeah, it was huge. It was a cosmoprof show, I think. Lux, it was called. Um, I've performed at the Albert Hall, the Royal Albert Hall. I've done the alternative show multiple times. I've, you know, I'm not, you know, one of the, the coolest things, to be honest with you, was being in a different country and seeing your work.
0: Wow, yeah, I can imagine. Just
1: walking through some town in Germany, Little Village or England, wherever it was, and just walking past the salon, and they happened to be like a Paul Mitchell salon at the time, and then, you know, all my work's there. Opening a magazine like Vogue, and there's my girl that I cut, you know, stuff like that was kind of like, what? And really cool when you look back on it, like, okay, I did that. That's
0: very cool. And somehow you've still managed to be like one of the most down to earth, cool people
1: I've ever met. Thank you. That's down to my parents. Good job, parents. I'm I'm (laughs) a good northern lad. You know what I mean? Just kind of down to earth, the crust of the earth. And my dad's always been like, keep your feet on the ground. And, you know, there's been moments where that balloon has been lifting me up the ground. Of course. But, you know, I've had really good people to keep me in check.
0: That's great. Yeah, yeah well one day i hope you'll look back at one of your defining moments and say it was when i went to winnipeg
1: uh-huh. I, you know what i'm gonna to talk to, you already know this i think but i have an affiliation with winnipeg because back when i was in like school in in the uk uh, our english teacher came to Gimli, hmm. which is near winnipeg
0: i live almost near Gimli now yeah. out of the city yeah and the
1: <laughs> english teacher from Gimli came to our school In this like coal mining village in Northern England near Sheffield. And um, they gave us pen pals. So I got a pen pal that was here at the high school in Gimli. But the teacher that was in England brought his family with him, obviously, he was there for a year. And his son was my age. So on weekends, he would come and hang out at my house. I I, didn't know that. So... I always had this kind of thing with Winnipeg and, and that. So when I first came, it was just surreal. I was like, wow. This is it. When I was like 13, I had a pen pal and a good buddy that was from here.
0: Well, next time you come, yeah. I'm gonna bring you to Gimli. Let's do
1: it. Let's do it. It's I'd great i to see there. we can re-lo- so cool. re- relocate these people uh, uh, where they are, but that would be so rad. Very, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, that's my connection to this right. region. So, we'll it'll keep yeah. it coming back, yeah. hopefully. We love it here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Great, great people.
0: Well, thanks so much for thank joining you for us today. Me. It was an this honor was to do this with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, share with your friends, and tune in next time. We appreciate you.